Hello and welcome to Hacked Off. In today's episode, I've got a special guest with me, Neil Jones. I'm going to introduce him in a second and we're going to talk about all of the ways that companies can uh, ensure that they stay safe from cybercrime. So, Neil, thanks for joining us. You're very welcome. Um, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Uh, what's your background and how did you end up here? Oh, yeah, so I'm a detective superintendent with Greater Manchester Police and I was formerly head of the economic and cybercrime section in GMP. And I'm currently heading up an initiative to build a cyber resilience centre, which is predominantly around helping businesses stay safe from the threat of cybercrime. So so what is a cyber resilience centre? In, in what ways can um, companies and individuals use the services that, that they offer? So the, the concept of the resilience centre is built on a an existing model that's um, tried and tested mm-hmm. uh, in Scotland. It's worked successfully between uh, Police Scotland and Scottish Government for a number of years. And, and in essence, it's around um, providing uh, leadership into the micro to small business sector space around cybersecurity and giving access to either free or subsidised or more cost accessible cybersecurity services and advice. But critically, that advice being government backed. So really strongly promoting consistent national cybersecurity messaging, the type of message that you will get from the National Cybersecurity Centre. So Scotland did it first and, and it seems to be working for them. So we're, we're bringing it down to Manchester. Is that, that pretty much it? Yeah. So Scotland, um, have, have, they have a much broader business resilience centre that mm-hmm. looks at cybercrime, but also things like counterterrorism, uh, retail and tourism, uh, things like the nighttime economy. So people going out drinking and enjoying mm-hmm. the city centre. Um, and, and maybe that could be a longer term ambition. But actually, critically now, what we do see is the threat of cybercrime is, is so severe that we, we really think the opportunity is there to reach out to our, our business community because many of our community members who live in our city, in, in Greater Manchester, also work in our city. Mm-hmm. And so there's almost like a, a moral obligation there to help keep them safe both at home and at work. And we think that by providing that kind of key cybersecurity messaging, there is a very good chance that that advice could pay off both at home and at work mm. and change behaviours really around people's approach to cybersecurity. So you say you're working with uh, a lot of small and, and micro companies. Are you finding those companies come forward and say, we, we need help in, in security? Or is it very much a kind of outreach where you're having to tell them that security is important? Um, it, it's more the latter. So uh, what we do know is that, you know, nationally, the reporting of cybercrime is, is quite low. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we go back to say, 2017, uh, we believe there were about 1.8 million cyber incidents nationally. and But of those, only about 19,000 were reported to law enforcement. So about 1%. Okay. Um, But when you look at that 1%, actually, we know that in Manchester, only about 13% of that 1% comes from the business community. So there's a real um, lack of awareness um, often around the requirement to report, there may be a lack of awareness that you've even been subject to a breach. So I think it was Secure Data said you know, earlier this year mm-hmm. that the average date from infection to detection is about 150 days. So when you're into sort of five, nearly you know, six months of being under an attack that you're, you're blissfully unaware of, you don't necessarily know you need to pick up the phone and ring the police or report to action fraud. 
So there's real low con- low confidence in reporting as well. I think there's that risk of you know brand reputational mm-hmm. damage. Um, there's also the maybe a misunderstanding around the mandatory obligations to report to the ICO if you're subject to a data breach. And, and what I would encourage is that whilst if you do come forward and say you've had a cyber attack and you report to police and it's not our job to shop you into the ICO, we will remind you of your mandatory obligation to report within 72 hours, but we're not picking up the phone and ringing them. So we are victim-focused. Mm-hmm. You know, if you ring up as a small business and say, I've had a breach, I've had a, a ransomware attack with a crypto demand, whatever it may be, well then, you know, our job is to respond to your needs as a victim and say, well, you know, how do we best support you and what do you need? And I think that's what's maybe a little bit more unique in in the cyberspace than traditional policing response. You know, if someone gets assaulted, they ring the police, they report it, they probably want the person that's, you know, punched them to mm-hmm. be identified, arrested, locked up and, and charged. With cybercrime, if you're a small business and you've had a, a you know, you've been hacked and it's an extortion demand, uh, your primary probably objective is to get back online, is to get yeah. your data unencrypted, is to be able to carry on with the business of being in business because you're trying to employ people. And probably at the forefront of your mind is that you've got a, you know, a number of employees and clients and customers who you're trying to you know provide a business to and you're trying to make sure that people have got a, you know, a wage at the end of the month and can go home. So what you really want to do is to get back in Mm-hmm. business as soon as possible and maybe that's why there's some of the difficulties around reporting to law enforcement is around a a perceived you know delay in in actually getting back online i think uh it's interesting when when we talk to some companies as well i think post gdpr people are very very aware of the ico and and you know they'll need to check whether they have to report depending on certain circumstances and things but you mentioned action fraud yeah and i think people rarely think of companies rarely think of reporting to action fraud yeah absolutely and i think you know, that the name maybe doesn't help because if you're subject to a cyber attack, do you automatically think fraud? And mm. when, you, yes, so you may have been subject to a, you know, a phishing attack and there may have been a an element of cyber-enabled fraud that's been, uh, that you're a victim of, but would you as a victim know that? Would you know the nuances of the, the appropriate language of what type of criminality it is that you've been subject to? Yeah. So, I mean, to reassure there are businesses out there is if you do ring the police and you know you pick up the phone you ring 101 and, and get through to your local police force then we'll make an immediate assessment of whether this is what we call a call for service mm-hmm. so is the incident happening right now you know are you subject to a live ongoing breach where there's you know you've got um a breach on your network and the, and the people are extracting data from mm-hmm. you well then that's very different so that's a call for service where we would then mobilise my cybercrime mm-hmm. team from within GMP to come out and help and support you. And we would then maybe bring in the regional organised crime unit, the national um, crime unit, whoever's appropriate really in, in terms of the level of exposure that you are yeah. are risk to and what the nature of your business is. If you're in, you know, I don't know, if you're a utilities provider mm-hmm. and it's part of the critical national infrastructure, you're going to get the National Cyber Security Centre involved and the... Um, and all the the appropriate assets that they can bring in. Uh, whereas if you're a more local business, it, it may well be you know our dedicated cybercrime mm-hmm. investigation team from Greater Manchester. Whereas if it's not a live incident and you've had a breach, but you know it's not going on right then at that second, then our uh, operators, when you speak to them on the phone, will then direct you to contact Action Fraud. And that's quite critical because Action Fraud is a national reporting mechanism for both fraud and cybercrime. Okay. 
And the reason that's critical is that they take the report and they then forward it to what's called the National Fraud Intelligence Bureau. Mm-hmm. So that operates out of uh, out of London. And effectively, it's like a big repository and it allows us to parallel all those reports and say, well, if you're, you know, Acme Scaffolding Limited in Manchester and you've had a breach, how do we know that you're the only person that's been breached? So depending on the nature of the exploit, you could be one of 10, 20, mm-hmm. 1,000 or a million people that have had the same breach. So by having one central national reporting mechanism, we can very quickly identify whether this is part of a pattern of a larger attack that's ongoing so that law enforcement can then ensure that the most appropriate response in terms of jurisdiction and also resources is is wrapped around that because you may think that it's just you, um, but you're blissfully unaware to those thousands Mm. of other people that are suffering in in exactly the same way. So how would uh, how would it work for a company if they were to say they called the the non emergency number and said we are currently experiencing a breach? Um, I, I think a lot of the people that I talk to would expect that they report it to law enforcement and then ne- never hear again. It gets added to a database and, and that's okay. it. But you mentioned they're um, getting support and things. Yeah, so we have a, a dedicated cybercrime investigation team. <laughs> so um, you know, it, it's whilst it's a small team, they are you know very. Um, well qualified and experienced, and you know experts in the field. Many of them have you know um, sort of academic qualifications, degrees, masters degrees around the training that they've done, and uh, and they will come out and visit you at, at your workplace. And you know we've got real examples of, of of doing that in Manchester, you know week in week out, where we get a cyber dependent crime committed against a business, and let's say there has been a uh, let's say it's a ransomware mm-hmm. attack with a crypto uh, demand. And so the team will come out and visit you and have a look at, you know, what can we do immediately to try and reduce the impacts of that threat? But with in mind, critically from an enforcement perspective, uh, digital evidence retrieval and recovery. Mm-hmm. So if you chose to to deal with the incident yourself and, and automatically just engage with, uh, I don't know, a, a data recovery uh, team or, or an outside contractors, that's fine and and that might be the right approach for you as a business. But what you might do is inadvertently lose some of the critical digital evidence that we would require to mm-hmm. be able to prosecute. So the team can come out and then make that early assessment um, to then be able to appropriately signpost you to the trusted companies that can help you you know, fix the problem that you've got. Um, and we've got to be realistic around, you know, we are in the police, we're investigators. Mm-hmm. We are not data recovery experts. Yeah. You know, we, we cannot unencrypt you know, data unless we've got the decryption key. So the, yeah. there are, you know, we, and we are not around cyber incident response and recovery. Mm-hmm. But what we can do is signpost you as a victim to the most appropriate um, support agencies that, that are out there. So whilst we don't offer exclusivity, mm-hmm. what we can do is say, look, we know that these are the companies that can help you based on the type of exploit or the way that you've been attacked and... And actually, the, the the victim can then make their choice actually around who they choose to engage with to help them get back online. And then probably, often, the best advice we can give people is around how to prevent them becoming a victim again in the future. Um, and then that's probably takes us full circle back to the, the whole concept of having a cyber resilience centre mm-hmm. is that whilst we know that reporting is low and confidence is low in coming forward, um, it's still when we've got a victim, it's a very reactive response. Yeah, you know? and that's a bit of a shame. That do we really want people to be a victim of crime before we try and help them? So the whole concept of the resilience centre is that 
we will proactively engage with micro and small to medium-sized enterprises to actively encourage the take-up of effective government-backed cybersecurity products and services. And some of that could be the freely available advice that is you know, on the National Cybersecurity mm-hmm. Centre's website, um, encouraging, for example, you know, the, the NCSE Small Business Guide and then the five pillars that they promote around how to keep yourself safe. If you're a larger organisation, maybe it's the 10 steps of cybersecurity. Um, but what we're also looking at is things like, well, Cyber Essentials is a programme that's government-backed and, you know, and it's a good step on on the pathway towards protecting yourself. Mm-hmm. Because what we do believe is that 75 to 80% of cyber crime is preventable through decent but quite basic cyber hygiene or digital hygiene. And things like Cyber Essentials as a programme that's, you know, available to companies to go and and complete the assessment and it, it's fairly low cost. It's about three hundred pounds to to get Cyber Essentials certification. Um but that's something that I want to encourage business to do mm-hmm. in a proactive sense rather than waiting for a breach to happen. Um I mean there's various different stats around what you know what um what the cost of a cyber breach could be and it depends on the nature of it. But things like a malware attack, I think the latest estimates are the average cost of of a malware intrusion is around £21,000. You know, I think the, yeah. the the average cost of a cyber breach, it keeps changing, but I think the latest one I've read is around £3,000. Um, but we're seeing that, you know, c- certainly some of the startling statistics are that some of the finance and cybersecurity providers are saying that up to 60% of businesses that get a, a that you know really get mm-hmm. breached with cyber could end up going out of business. So if you're a small business, a, a family firm, a micro business, you, you're employing a small number of people. Whilst £300 for a cyber essential certification might seem, well, where's the value in that for me? Yeah. I've not been a victim. Mm-hmm. It's versus the potential impact of um, having to pay thousands of pounds if you yeah. get breached. And it, and it's it's that often difficult trade-off of, of how much is, is that proactive yeah. uh, prevention worth. But I guess the parallel I would draw is, you know, you think most of us when we got up this morning, we probably got ready and then left the house, maybe put the burglar alarm on, yeah. locked the door behind us. Um, and though, you know, the burglar alarm and the, you know, whatever the, you know, the, the Yale locks on, on mm-hmm. the, they don't come free, you know, and, and there, is a, there is a cost to some of these security um, steps yeah. that we need to put in place. I think um, it, it's funny. Do you do you find statistics like you, you mentioned? There's a lot of statistics around the cost of uh, cybercrime. Yeah. Um, do you find those statistics that encourage companies to be more involved? The the reason that I ask is I see a lot of statistics um, that are almost kind of like bullying companies into into cybersecurity. Yeah. I'm not sure it's the the right approach. Is that uh, is that just a, an awareness raising thing, or does it actually help? I, I think you're right. I think it's a combination for some. People, it might be motivation that it's, um, you know, it, it's whether you trust the stats for a start. Yeah. And and I think the the nature of cyber and the number of commentators out there, you kind of go, well, whose stats do I do yeah, I believe? Yeah. Do I trust? I saw um I saw an article uh, this morning, old, old article. I think it was from from January. It's two that I was looking at, and one said um, something like eighty um, percent of small companies go out of business following a cyber attack, and yeah. the other one said eighty percent of startups fail. And it's like. Yeah. How's the cyber attack part relevant, right? If we're yeah. coming out with statistics saying, oh, you know, you're strongly likely to fail small companies, you know, they're quite vulnerable to a lot of uh, market fluctuations. Yeah. Do those statistics help? Um, I, I think it depends on the individual. Uh, I much prefer to have a a, a conversation mm-hmm. that is 
around this is why it's important to do and, and not to be using the fear factor to to hammer it home. Mm. Sometimes those big headline statistics can help um, because it, it, it gives the kind of evidence base and makes it real to some people. Yeah. Um, they can go, oh, well, because otherwise they think, are oh, you just trying to tell, sell me something? Because inherently the, mm. there often is a cost associated yeah, yeah. with with taking those those protective measures. Um, so I think there is a place for the statistics for those that want that kind of, um, I, I guess, validation around what people are saying. Um, but yeah, is it the best approach to go out and try? You're as you're as a good it? point though. You say you know you you've got to be able to trust it, and and, yeah. and you opened with saying yeah. you know the advice is you know it's government backed, isn't it? So yeah. so that that's a, some foundation here. Um, if you're working with an organisation like the Resilience Centre who aren't trying to sell you something, maybe yeah. maybe that's a better approach. Yeah, and and the the notion of the Resilience Centre is that this is you know backed by Greater Manchester Police, so yeah. it's got the hopefully the inherent trust that comes mm-hmm. with the policing brand. Um, together with, you know, our colleagues in the regional organised crime unit and and up to the national cybersecurity centre, so there should be an implied trust that comes with what we're saying. Actually, comes from a position of knowledge from law enforcement. And whilst there are, you know, there is information that we're not able to put out into the public domain, there is an awful lot that we can share. And I think at the moment some of that is is sort of hidden away. Mm. So I know as we sit here today that in the last twelve months in Greater Manchester. We had 822 cyber-dependent crimes reported in, in into GMP. And the cost of those attacks to the victims was £1.2 million. I know that nationally there were 23,500 cyber crimes reported across the UK and the cost was £40 million. Yeah. So in terms of, you know, and, and that reassurance around, this is what, how I know that only 13% of our reports in Manchester come from businesses. So whether that helps... Businesses think mm. why it's important to come forward and, and and report or not. I don't know. What I do know from speaking with businesses who have been subject to attack or a breach is they you know they will go well why you know why have I been targeted you know and then it's that um, awareness raising yeah. that educational piece that I'm interested in is that well you weren't necessarily specifically targeted mm-hmm. you know not get me wrong if there's a spear phishing attack there may be but often this is you know you've been caught because you're vulnerable because. Yeah of an exploit that you are one of many thousands and the the attacker has has chosen to you know attack the 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 piece you know across the entire yeah, yeah. piece and you're one of numerous people that have been caught out in that way and then the business person will turn and go I, I didn't realize that it worked that way I thought they were particularly you know targeting me and my yeah. company and my my account and we're going no it's just the way that your system has been configured or not or protected mm. or not that you've been you know, you've been taken advantage of. So it's a bit more like, I guess the analogy would be, why have I been burgled? And it's not that necessarily if I'm a professional footballer, mm-hmm. maybe I've been targeted. Yeah. Uh, but for Joe Public, well, the burglar's just walking around the you know the streets and looking for insecurities or or good targets. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's the same in cyberspace. You mentioned um, the police being trusted as, as a source of information. Um do, do people think about the police when it comes to, to cybercrime? I think uh, a lot of people, you know, for, for traditional help and certainly, you know, prevention for traditional crimes, um, it makes sense for the police. But are, are people considering, do, do the general public think the police are modern enough to understand cybercrime? Uh, I don't know. You you tell me. I'd, 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 uh, my gut instinct is probably not. Okay. I, I think um, what we do know is that there was a national review completed um, about 18 months ago to mm-hmm. look at um uh, policing across the UK and what our capabilities are around uh, a number of areas, but cyber in particular, 
and, and less than a third of police forces had any cybercrime investigation capability. And, you know, so we're quite fortunate in Greater Manchester, we've had a cyber investigation team now for about five years. So, the, you know, the team are, they're grounded, they're embedded, mm -hmm. and they, you know, they, they're very good at what they do. But, yeah, do the public know that we have that capability? Does that limit the reporting because people don't think they can go to the police? Do they, do the public or, or victims actually think, well, I'm going to have to engage with a professional company to help mm -hmm. me because this isn't a policing matter? And I think that's all part of the awareness raising that we're trying to achieve by going proactive with um, our communication out to the business community to say, you know, this this is an important and ever-increasing threat. I mean, you, know, you look at uh, nationally, the, the the cost of the UK economy of cybercrime is about £17 billion a year. You know, it, it's a significant threat. A, mm -hmm. a third of all crime now, if you include cyber-enabled mm -hmm. fraud, yeah. a third of all crime in in the across England and Wales is cyber related, you know, and mm. so that is the the harrowing stat that actually, even if people aren't necessarily thinking about policing around cyber, because of many traditional crime types now being cyber enabled, mm -hmm. then many victims are already receiving a policing or law enforcement response around cyber crime anyway, uh, whether they or we recognise it. Mm -hmm. So, I, I think it, it's trying to help raise awareness that we do have a capability, we are here to help. And actually the best way that we think we can do that is to proactively encourage you to take up protective measures in advance of being a victim rather than waiting until after the yeah. fact. So the same way as we would go and do a um you know a a, a beat sweep on on a neighborhood, we would walk up and down streets, knock on doors and identify insecurities if windows have been left open mm -hmm. and gates and you know, we do our crime prevention initiatives. Um, I don't think we've done that previously in the cyberspace, and now this is what we, you know, we're we're trying to reach out and do. Yeah. Okay. So a little message there of, you know, it's not a brand new team. You've been doing some some cyber work for a while, and and if people don't know that, then that's part of the the plan, right? So to, to yeah. make sure that they learn that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, use the term though. You say um, cyber enabled crime and cyber enabled mm -hmm. fraud. What what does that mean? So cyber-enabled crime is is any traditional crime type that mm -hmm. actually has got a, a cyber element to it. So fraud is is the, the easiest uh, example to give. So just as somebody could come and knock on your door and try and say, you know, there's, um, I don't know, there's a problem with your roof oh, and okay. it needs fixing <laughs> and they say it's going to cost you £5,000 and all they do is they replace one tile, mm -hmm. that's a very traditional um, fraud committed in a very traditional way face-to-face -face manner in the real world. Whereas increasingly what we see with fraud now is that it's the email that comes through that says, hey, congratulations, you've won, you know, the African lottery and we, you know, we, but we need you to make a down payment to re release mm -hmm. the funds. It's the same idea, but it's, it's cyber-enabled because the uh, attack vector has come via, you know, the online route and you've, you know, you've either been subject to a, you know, a, a significant, you know, phishing scam that's out there to try and catch thousands or... There may have been some social engineering around it to identify you as, as a victim. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, cyber-enabled. Actually, now when you start to look at, at crime in general, we say over a third of all crimes got that um, kind of cyber factor to it. Uh, we've done some some analysis internally, and and whilst there are you know things like assaults, you're going to struggle to show there's a cyber enablement <laughs> to it. Um, but there probably very much is a digital um, investigative angle to that. Um, investigation because of the nature of mobile phones and CCTV and AMPR and all the different you know um, data streams that are out there for us. But 
Yeah, cyber enabled is certainly becoming more of a challenge for us because it changes the way that we can or need to investigate to to get the evidence that historically um, we didn't have those opportunities available to us. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so if companies are listening in and, and they're hearing things, you know, maybe they're one of those micro or small companies that we mm. mentioned earlier. Um, where do they start? Where? How do they get involved with the information that you're putting out? Uh, so the, so the, the Resilience Centre is due to formally launch on the 7th of November. Mm. Um, so this is a, um, it's a GMP programme. It's um, backed by Greater Manchester Combined Authority with, um, with some support from the Mayor's Office. And we are not-for-profit, so... We are we are launching through um, a joint venture with Manchester Digital, who already represent mm. the tech and, and digital community. And our intention then from November is to um, have a range of services. So we will have a membership model because we, you know, we, whilst we're not for profit as a as a, a going entity, we uh, we've got to exist. So we're we're providing a a tiered um, offer of membership packages available to companies if they want to get involved. Um, and that would include things like access to training um, and events and and other maybe subsidised products and services that we're in discussion with mm-hmm. the commercial sector around providing uh, because we think, again, we can push it out. Um, we're also be encouraging, um, as I said, around cyber essentials. So one of the, the groups that I'm establishing is a trusted partners network. So when you look at cyber essentials, there are, you know, five um, accrediting bodies and they certify a number of companies that can then help you get that cyber essential certification but as a customer you kind of go well who should i go to who, you know why is company a any better than company b um so what i want to establish is a trusted partners network of those companies that can help you achieve the cyber essentials credit um, certification um but by being a trusted partner of the cyber resilience center and therefore having that support from gmp and gmca it almost helps narrow the choice so rather than having the big yellow pages and saying to a customer, you know, go in there and pick. Actually, we we're kind of narrowing the field a little bit and mm-hmm. saying these are, you know, trusted partners who would be um, suitable for you to go and engage with. So you've still got the freedom of choice. We're not giving exclusivity and saying just go to this one provider, but we're we're helping signpost and direct uh, business people towards those providers. And I think the um, the reason we're doing this is we want to promote. Manchester to look after Manchester mm-hmm. you know our communities are are really important to us and and one of the real strengths of Manchester is that we have a real strong community spirit and we come together when when there's a problem when there's a, a threat so whether that's some of our our big horrible events that you know that that sadly have, have affected the city over the years or whether it's something like cyber security what mm-hmm. we want to encourage is that there are businesses and organizations providing support that are Manchester based that can help you as a Manchester-based business um, so that it, it's all supporting the local economy because ultimately this is about safeguarding our communities. Um, so, the, so there's the, the Trusted Partners Network and then there's also um, seeking to establish a cyber expert group. Mm-hmm. So that would be our uh, um, our sort of CISOs and technical experts from the cyber security industry coming together to talk about the cyber threat landscape but in a meaningful way for Greater Manchester. So a lot of the narrative we see in the news is, you know, Russia's attacking US politics. China's trying to infiltrate, you know, our telecoms network. And if you are in business in Manchester, you kind of go, well, do I really care? You know, <laughs> yeah, does wh- that, why does that matter to me? You know, right? So yeah, tell, tell me something that is important. You know, mm-hmm. tell me what's going on 
in Greater Manchester. Tell me how businesses like mine are being targeted. And I think at the moment, whilst larger corporations have um, increasingly, you know, taken cybersecurity seriously and have got, um, you know, very strong measures and policies and procedures in place, and they understand their threat landscape, and certainly in the you know financial and professional sectors, there's um, there's a lot of monitoring around around the threats that they're experiencing. It's how do we get that out in a way that doesn't damage the brand or reputational damage to to that company, that corporate, but we can desensitise it and we can we can get it out in a meaningful way to to local businesses, but also by sharing that type of forum, we can parallel it with what law enforcement know. So I can bring in information from Greater Manchester, but also from the Northwest region, mm-hmm. from uh, nationally and even, you know, from, from Europol and Interpol. So we know there's a whole different, you know, range of information and intelligence out there and from our colleagues at, you know, GCHQ and NCSC. Mm-hmm. And we think, and not all of that information is top secret and and you have to, like, you know, hide behind it. I, I think we can find ways to be able to talk about that in the right forums then get it out to our communities to say this is what we know is going on. So, for example, I, I know like the top three um, cyber threats currently are uh, hacking of social media and email, uh, computer viruses, malware and spyware, and then hacking by extortion, so you kind of ransomwares. Um, and then ransomware in particular is the, of the Dharma variant is that what we're seeing. But I don't think we're talking from a law enforcement perspective publicly until now around these type of things and saying, well, if we know that, how do we then say to you, this is how you could help protect yourself and these are the measures you should take? Um, and so one of the other ways that um, through the centre we think we can help support people is, is to encourage, say, sign up for uh, the Cyber Information Sharing Partnership. Mm-hmm. So CISP exists, you, you need to be sponsored to uh, to join the join the, the network and get access to some of the information. But again, the centre will be there to support you around being able to um, to get that you know, sponsorship so that you can get access to some of that information and materials because different businesses will have different levels of of uh, capacity and investment that they can dedicate to, to cyber. I'm, I'm realistic that many businesses are, mm-hmm. they're just grafting out, aren't they, to, you know, to hit the bottom line and make sure that they, yeah. they're earning enough money to, to keep people safe. So yeah. I want to promote a lot of uh, material that will be freely available, but then there's also all these other networks and groups and, and opportunities to become involved um, through the centre to uh, just to help promote that that overall cyber protect landscape. You mentioned there um, companies just wanting to to make money and you know be effective businesses. Yeah. Um, do you ever have uh, pushback from companies who who don't feel the need to report to, to law enforcement when things happen because they don't see a benefit from it? Um, I, I don't know. I guess if they choose not to report to us, I, I wouldn't necessarily know about it. So. Um, might be a difficult one to answer. Yeah, I mean, I mean, things like um, it, if there's the idea that well, a lot of these um, hackers who are launching ransomware attacks and things are in other nations, you know, yeah. the stereotype of hacking from Russia. Yeah. Do companies ever think, well, you know, they can't do anything about it, right? You can't go and uh, arrest Russian hackers. Um, undoubtedly, it's it's probably in their minds, and and I'm not going to, you know, sit here and lie and say that um, we can investigate that because often. We can't, and mm. you know, and, and nationally, you know, the, um, I guess the the success rate around investigations for cyber is exceptionally low. I um, mean, comparison to many other crime types, because of those complexities. Mm-hmm. You know, crime traditionally works on 
um, quite simple jurisdiction that, you know, we work on victim location offender. So if we were to have a fight today here, mm -hmm. then victim and offender are both in the same place in Manchester. So Greater Manchester Police would have jurisdiction for that investigation. It's mm -hmm. a crime committed in Manchester. But if you were to, you know, hack my account, then the, the question would be, well, I'm a victim. I'm currently in Manchester, but my data could be on a server mm -hmm. in California and you as an offender could be in North Korea. Mm -hmm. So whilst we can do a form of investigation, um, when we try to resolve the IP address that might be associated to the, you know, to the offender, mm -hmm. to the attacker, if it comes back to what we would term a, a non-friendly state, we know that even with an international letter of request for support around an investigation, they're not going to respond. They're not going to give us the, the data around the individual that's associated to the IP address then we've got to be realistic and we've got to be honest with our victims around, well, that is the end of the investigation. But what I'd what I'd encourage is we need to know that that offence took place in the first place because of that broader intelligence landscape. So I talked about the, the National Fraud in mm -hmm. Intelligence Bureau and collating that data. Um, so again, for example, we know that the, there are 650,000 um, IP addresses that we know of that are infected with malware. Um, we know that in the last year... 272,000 um, reports of phishing attacks were, were submitted to action fraud. Now, if we don't have that intelligence, we can't continue to analyse it to look at the ways that we need to better protect our businesses and look at active defence. So I, I, you know, so I need to encourage victims to come forward and report, even if we sadly cannot mm -hmm. investigate through to identifying a, an offender and charging and convicting them because what it does give us is that intelligence picture that we can then work with our other law enforcement colleagues, with our intelligence agencies, and that all goes back into informing those national government-backed yeah. uh, messaging around this is how you keep safe. So, you know, where the NTSC will say, you know, make sure you have a you know a strong password, make sure you have a good backup regime, make sure you're patching your your systems and your your software. That's all important because we know what the threat landscape looks like. If that mm -hmm. starts to change, then the advice that we're giving to any potential victims also needs to change. So um, we need to encourage as much reporting as possible. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? It, uh, you, you mentioned earlier as well, um, you know, Manchester coming together. That that's another example of that, right? If, yeah. Sorry, we couldn't help you this time, but maybe the intelligence will will, will help you help help another group. Yeah. Um, so it's, it still sounds like a good thing. I, I guess that's my takeaway. Um, that's all of the questions that I had for you. But is there anything that that you wanted to bring up that that we haven't covered? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think it's just to reiterate that you know this is a this is a brand new initiative. Mm -hmm. um, and whilst it's got solid grounding in in a tried and tested model, um, we're very much um, at the start of a of a journey. It's a bit of like a startup stage, really, in, in business terms. And um, and we're there to help. But we're also here to learn. So it may be that whilst we are looking to engage with businesses in in many ways. Um, we're equally looking for support and help. So, you know, I've um, I'm I'm due to meet um, next week with a number of industry executives mm -hmm. to see how um, various parts of the professional sector might come together to to help the cause and to help the centre deliver what we're trying to do because we genuinely believe in trying to protect our communities. And I'd say if, if there's anybody out there that's looking for that kind of help, and uh, then they can certainly get in touch. And if there's any businesses that are thinking they could get involved by either they're, you know, they would like to become a trusted partner. Mm -hmm. If they're a cyber essentials provider, then they can get in touch. If they think they're more in the cyber expert group, 
you know, um, as an opportunity, then you can get in touch there. Or if they think that they could help in, in any other way, um, then get in touch with me because this is, you say, this is public sector, small, mm-hmm. not-for-profit based. And the more support we can muster from the business community and in particular greater Manchester-based businesses that want to help and support other greater Manchester-based businesses, then the better. So please do get in touch. Well, Neil, thank you very much for, for coming in and, and introducing us to the, to the work you've been doing. Thank you.